You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Uh, we're about to break down the NFL conference games and DJ places in the Super Bowl at stake. This is the big time of the season. Uh, it's really, really uh, interesting that we got through the whole season. Me being a Packers fan, you being a Patriots fan, and there's a possibility of that Super Bowl still taking place that we predicted at the start of the season, although I don't know if uh, either of us thought that it was uh, actually really a possibility. We both hoped the teams would go as far as they could, but it's amazing that they're they're still going at this stage of the season. DJ, as always, uh, I'll wec- welcome you back to the show. How's things been going since we last talked? Yeah, Colin, going really well. Hopefully the weather's going to be a bit better in Foxborough this weekend than it is in Donegal at the minute. I think it's appropriate you started off the show by mentioning a breakdown, because I would say that's what me or you could be having if it's going to be <laughs> tight games like last week's were, and hopefully they'll be a bit more decisive this week. And But then again, if it comes down to a last-minute field goal for either of our teams to get to the Super Bowl, I'm sure we'll be quite happy with that. Yeah, really looking- I don't think I'm going to be too greedy, DJ, playing the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I'll take any sort of one. It doesn't need to be decisive. But uh, you mentioned there, DJ, the, the weather. It's a lot of snow in uh, Donegal and throughout Ireland today and uh, over the last few days it's you know it's not something that we get too much here in uh, particularly in Ireland uh, we do get snow it's usually more frost than snow but quite a lot of heavy snow uh, I actually walked to and from work today because of the, the conditions which wasn't a lot of fun it was uh, very very cold and very very uh, wet by the time I got there I had a couple of changes of pairs of socks and so on and so forth but DJ on today's show we're going to be joined by your old buddy Russ Goldman to talk about the, the New England Patriots versus the Indianapolis Colts and then we're going to be joined by Dino Garman from NFL Female me and her broke down the uh, Seahawks versus the Packers game so some very very uh, interesting thoughts on both games coming up I'm looking forward to sharing that with the listeners as always DJ starting the show at Last Word on Sport or our partners here at Overtime Ireland do check them out as I always say their Twitter is at Last Word on Sport at Last Word on Sport their website is lastwordonsport.com and of course they have the Last Word on Sport radio network where you can find us and many other shows and as always we're available iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn so on and so forth really anywhere you can listen to podcasts so Download multiple devices, subscribe if you haven't subscribed already, and as always, keep spreading the word as you have been doing. Very, very much appreciated. DJ, we'll, uh, we'll not waste any more time as uh, the listeners, I'm sure, are looking forward to this week's games, as are we. And uh, I talked with your friend Russ Goldman, who we had on the show actually last week as well. So Russ is doing uh, overtime here on Overtime Ireland in the last few weeks. And uh, let's get him on the show right away to talk about this game, the Patriots versus the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> Want to know who's going to win every NFL game this weekend? It's time for the OTI Weekend Preview. Delighted to have him back on the show again. Uh, for all the listeners we had him on last week, I'm sure you're delighted to get his thoughts on all things Patriots. It's Russ Goldman. Russ, we're going to just uh, start off with a question that I uh, mentioned to DJ at the start of the, the recap podcast last week. How's your uh, heart feeling after that uh, little scare last week against the Baltimore Ravens? Um, I, think, uh, I think my wife had to resuscitate me at some point. <laughs> It was uh, it was one of those ones, you know, I mentioned I called him when they were 14 points down. I called him when it was all square again. Called him when they were 14 points down again and then called him after the game. So it was a game that really went topsy-turvy all, all different ways. But I have to say it was uh, one of the best games I've seen Tom Brady playing in quite some time. Possibly, you know, people look at legacies. We look at Peyton Manning last week and obviously there's the word of the injury and so on and so forth. And he obviously didn't have a, a particularly good game last week. But we look at Tom Brady. A lot of people saying similar things to their saying about Peyton Manning now. They were saying about he's done after that Kansas City game. There was a lot of question marks. But this here, you know, this is the stuff that uh, Tom Brady has been made of over the years. And it's definitely, I think, where would you rank it in his uh, best quarterback and performances for the Patriots? Wow, uh, there there are so many of them, but yeah. uh, but uh, to be honest with you, this was a special game, and, uh, and and we just recorded Patriots fourth and two, and we talked about this, and we actually also talked about it off air that if we were a neutral and we weren't a Patriots fan, yeah. we would have thought this was one of the best games of the year, and it truly was a great game, and uh, you know, again, it's funny because uh, Tom Brady's getting getting a lot of criticism for his game. I know, you know, again. I think he played a very good game, but everyone here points to the interception when they are tied 14-14 going into the half, and he throws a very bad interception interception to Daryl Smith, and how that changed 
changed the game again. It, and now everything swung back towards the Ravens. But overall, you know, again, it was a very good performance by Tom Brady. I've seen so many of them, but but uh, I, I shouldn't be surprised. But the um, but the pass at the end to Brandon Wafel was a special touchdown, and uh, they found a way to win. And and that to me is something that I wanted to see from the New England Patriots. That's why in the end, I think facing the Ravens was the best thing for them. I, they needed to be battle-tested. Now they're battle-tested uh, against a team that really came in there, had no fear, and you could see it. They had no fear yeah. to uh, to play the Patriots, and they believed that they were going to win that game. And for, for uh, a good chunk of the game, they were the better team. But in the end, the Patriots found a way to win, and that – that, to me, could pay dividends, hopefully, uh, this week against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and you mentioned there people criticizing Brady. I think it's kind of fairly ridiculous, to be honest. If you look at, I think he was the leading rusher in the game, too. It goes to show how much the game was <laughs> put on his arm. And obviously, I think, was it 57 times he threw it in the game? I believe, I believe that was the yeah, number. It was I mean, around you know, that number anyway. But if you look at any quarterback that throws, I know you're going to have bad throws here there. The one thing I would have criticised him for more than the interception was at the end of the it a drive in the first half where he took two sacks and then it led to a punt rather than a field goal. That was the thing at the time I thought was a bad move. The pick, uh, I thought it was a good play by the linebacker. And, you know, it was a bad throw, but linebacker still has to make the play. But he made so many other good plays in the game. I think it bent up for that one. And I suppose it could have cost him the game, but he, he got them the win in the end. And I think he deserves huge credit for that. Just want to ask you one more thing about last week's game, and that is... Uh, and Julian Edelman's uh, touchdown pass to Dan Elmendola. You must enjoy that one. It was uh, one of my favorite plays I've seen uh, all season. It's funny because I remember seeing that in uh, in training camp. Yeah, you, you know, they, the they, they practice that in training camp. So anyone that's actually been to training camp has probably seen them practice it. And for them to pull it out at that particular point was, you know, again, good timing. You know, you know again, the, it, it was against the Blitz. It, it all worked out. And, uh, you know, Julian Edelman, I, I was screaming to my wife because she's like, what's he doing? And I said, he's about to throw a pass. Yeah. And then uh, he was wide open. It was, you know, again, again I, I've been known to criticize Josh McDaniels on some of his play calling, but he was spot on in this game. And to, and to pull that one out of the hat along with the, uh, the situation with who man, the, uh, the, uh, four, the four offensive linemen and who man, you know, yeah. again, I have to give him credit because he threw things at the Ravens that they hadn't seen before. So, so it was a very good game plan. But, but honestly, the uh, the pass to Edelman was uh, was I mean Edelman to uh, Amendola was was a special special situation, and um, I'm glad we finally saw it. Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, I seen a clip yesterday. It was on uh, Twitter. I seen the link, and I went to it. it was on the Patriots website, and I did uh, Bill Belichick breaking down some of the plays from that game against the Ravens, and that was one he broke down in particular. And it was very interesting. He pointed out that can't actually remember uh, who the offensive lineman was that gets the tackle on Suggs, but he does a low tackle on Suggs, and he said he told them before the play, like when they've been training it, that you have to go low because you need to get the Suggs or whoever's rushing you get their hands down by their knees because you know when you're throwing that backwards pass if the ball is tipped at all it is classed as a fumble then from Tom Brady's pass so it was uh, interesting to see Belichick breaking that down it was something I hadn't uh, seen I haven't seen that before I don't know if they do that every week on the Patriots website but it was something that I find very interesting yeah one of, one of the things that they that they do reach and every week they uh, we have a show over here called Patriots All Access it, it um, it's Friday nights here at at, at 7 p.m. and and during during the show, you know, again they they sometimes do it twice. Most most often than not, they do it once. They they have a segment called the Bellistrator. Yeah, that's where he breaks down plays, and this is what he does. He, this is what Belichick loves to do. He loves to show you plays, and uh, whether it's the opposition or his own team. And uh, you know, I get I guess I'm spoiled to be honest with you because because I get to learn more. More about the game from situations like this, like you said, from from breaking down the plays on the Bellistrator, right. and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean um, that doesn't surprise me that it's on, on the Patriots website because we see it a great deal here. The other play was the the play um, the interception, uh, you know, when the game was all squared, nothing came off it for the Patriots. But it's, he showed that as well, and he talked about why you know you know people say uh, why does the coach not just keep calling that play that play work, keep calling it till it doesn't work. Well, he showed that Tory Smith had a catch over the middle in the first half. 
uh, he was just the, the safety just met him just about I would say a split second too late and the, the pass was completed for a 22 yard gain then it was the exact same play just going to the opposite side of the field and it was picked off because the safety recognised the you know the route right. and he went and broke it broke on it and got the ball and got the interception so you know it was interesting to hear Belichick uh, saying that too you know a lot of you do hear that so so often you need to keep doing that play why didn't they keep doing it and you know obviously that there is why why you don't the other thing uh, I was going to say about the game just before we finish up is. You know, a lot of people talk about you have to run the ball in the NFL. You know, it's based on, obviously, it's a passing league now. It's based on having a good run game and having a good defense. Were you surprised that, obviously, the, the Baltimore Ravens rush has been very, very good? Were you surprised at how the Patriots just decided we're not going to attempt to run the ball at all? No, you know, again, maybe maybe I should have been surprised a little bit, but no, because I've seen them do this before. You know, and again, this is this is a credit to the Patriots if if they have something that that they know isn't going to work, then why do it? And uh, they had a game several years ago against the Minnesota Vikings when the Minnesota Vikings had this this vaunted rush defense, and the Patriots I don't think ran it once, <laughs> you know. And and again, all they did was spread them out, you know. Again, the philosophy in this is why bang your head against the wall and run the ball when you can't. So, so instead, you know, play to your strengths, play, play to their potential weaknesses. And that's exactly what they did. You know, you know, again, it, I understand why, I understand why they did it. They, 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 they knew that they could not gain the yardage. So why even bother? Why, why not? Why not take advantage of their weaknesses? And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, it was very interesting to see. And obviously now I have a few points here that I want to go through for the game. And one of the first, when I talked there about Bill Belichick, I talked kind of about the coaching decision there not to uh, run the ball, some of the trick plays they pulled out. In this year, Bill Belichick's obviously highly respected for what he's done as a, a coach in the NFL. Coach versus coach and the, the coaching staff versus the coaching staff of the, the Colts versus the Patriots to start off before we get to the players. I think sure. there's a distinct advantage here for the Patriots, obviously with Bill Belichick. But, you know, uh, you can't really uh, underestimate Pagano either. He went in there with a very good game plan against the against the Broncos and, you know, sealed, sealed the deal very... I thought they were... I thought they were dominant. It was a dominant one for the Colts. I thought it could have been a blowout, potentially. Obviously, the the Broncos got an early touchdown with seven up, and they only got two field goals after that, both coming off under luck turnovers. So I, I think they had a great game plan there, and I think they're going to try and do something probably similar this week. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. But uh, in the coaching side of things, I know you're obviously probably going to go with Bill Belichick here, but you have to have some respect for Chuck Pagano as well. I have, I have total respect for Pagano. I think Pagano is a very good coach and will have his team prepared to play. Uh, but but the edge here certainly goes with the Patriots coaching staff, and, I, and I'll give you two examples of why I think the Patriots have the advantage here on the coaching end. Uh, first, offensively, um, against that Colts defense, the Colts did a fantastic job, and this is a testament to Pagano, for taking away those short rods of, uh, of Peyton Manning and forcing him to throw the ball on. And, you know, and, and again, it was a great game plan. I have a feeling he's going to do something similar. He's going to try to take away these uh, these short routes that the Patriots like to run. Here's here's the problem. Here's the problem. The fly in the ointment there is that the Patriots have two weapons that I don't think the Colts can account for, and that would be one Rob Gronkowski. They don't they don't have someone that can cover Gronkowski. So if they take away all those short routes, it's just going to open up the middle of the field. Yeah. And then, and, and then even if they try to double-team Gronkowski, you still have someone that's emerging on the outside that they did not have. We talked about this on Patriots 4th and 2. Now you have Brandon LaFell. You have Brandon LaFell that can, again, not, not be your deep, your, your deep threat, but someone that can be on the outside yeah. for, for, for intermediate to longer routes. So now you have different threats. You can, you know, and, and here's a player, again, if Pagano can can do a great job and take away all those things, well, the Patriots still have Shane Vereen that they can. You know, I mentioned to you in in the last show. You 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 can put them out wide if you want, and and create different matchup nightmares. So so again, I think you know you know again I think that the way the way that Pagano handled the Broncos was was spot on. It worked. I don't think he can do it this week. I think he's going to have. To, to disguise coverages. I think he's going to have to change coverages and not just show Brady one look the entire game. Yes. If he does that, the, you know, Brady's going to go up and down the field. And and I actually do believe that, that you're going to see a balanced attack from the Patriots. I think you might even see, believe it or not, Jonas Gray playing this game. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was one of the points that, uh, you know, it, it was one of the points further down the list. We'll jump to it now, and that's the Patriots running game versus the Colts defense. Many yeah. people remember this game, obviously, there was a, during the season they played in Indianapolis. The Colts were favoured in that game, but the Patriots had a, a fantastic win there. And Jonas Gray, I can't even remember, what, what was it, 201 yards he ran for four? <laughs> I just yeah, have, it was... have it up here, two, four touchdowns as well. And we really haven't heard of him since. So he, he could possibly be rolled out this week again, do you think? And how, yes. is, how is the running back matchup against the, the Colts for the Patriots? Is that something that you think that they'll try and take advantage of? Oh, absolutely. Because, again, you know, I, I was at the playoff game last year. And that's and and that's the game where where uh, we get our blunt ran ran crazy and and the issue that that the uh, that the Colts will have especially will be in that second that second level that that linebacker and then and, and then beyond that level if Legarrette Blount gets in that second level he can actually take it to the house mm-hmm. and same thing with Jonas Gray Jonas Gray can actually if you know again their big thing is not to let these running backs get to get to their second level and. And I think there's a distinct advantage here for the Patriots in the running game. Even if Brian Stork can't play, I have a feeling Brian Stork at center might not play. But the one thing that the Patriots threw out the last time that they played, that's when they introduced the extra lineman. And I wouldn't be shocked if you see some of that as well. You know, you know, uh, putting out an extra lineman to really to really go at this uh, this Indianapolis Colts defense. You know, it's an aggressive defense, but I th- I think it's a defense you can run on. You know the you know again. I've seen no evidence playing against the Patriots that they can stop it. I know they stopped it last week. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop it against the Patriots. And that's you know again, it, that's what makes this matchup so interesting. Is is what will Pagano do to counteract what happened the first time? You know you know will he will he sell out to stop the run? Well, if he does that, then the, then that'll open up the passing game. And on the other side, that the big fascinating situation is going to be with Andrew Locke. Because, you know, again, talking about coaching, Andrew Luck did a phenomenal job of, uh, of taking advantage of the uh, Denver defense. I mean, he really did. He did a phenomenal job. But he, here's the play in the ointment for, for the Indianapolis Colts going in this direction. Is that um, going against uh, uh, Jack Del Rio defense is very different than going against uh, a Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia defense. Because I truly believe they they will try to confuse Andrew Luck like they did the last time they played when they played here in Foxborough the last time is that he, he will disguise coverages he will never see the same look twice you know they, they, they will they will change things at the line of scrimmage and that's and that's where you're gonna have to see you know that's when you're gonna see the maturation of Andrew Luck can he figure out what he's seeing in a moment's notice? Because he's going to see one look at the line, and then when the play starts, he might see something completely different. Is he quick enough to to um, to see exactly what's going on? That's what will take him to, to to be an elite quarterback that I think he's going to turn into. But um, it's going to be tough for him in Foxborough. You know, again, it took Peyton Manning several years to figure out the Patriots' yeah. defense, and and um, that's where I think the Patriots have have a big advantage is, you know, against Andrew Luck, you know, it's almost, you know, it's almost like Andrew Luck is, is in, uh, you know, in high school and he's going to be playing against the defense, giving him a master class. It's you know? uh, it's interesting, Rush. Do you do you have the list there in front of you of the topics that I've written down because uh, you've got on to the next one, which was. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, my friend. I'm only joking. Uh, you seem to be able to read read my mind as uh, as we moved forward. I was going to talk about Andrew Luck next, but when we're talking about him, T. Y. Hilton obviously was had a major impact in the game last week, and you know yeah. Flaner at tight end's been looking very good. But just a point here that I wanted to get up. Luck has suffered in the last three seasons, his first three years in the league. He suffered a blowout loss to New England in each of those seasons. And then in those games, he has eight interceptions and has got sacked ten times. So, you know, he hasn't had a great time against, as you mentioned, the, the Bill Belichick defense. So it's, it's going to be a tough one here for, the, for Andrew Luck and the Colts. But can you see some matchups, possibly the likes of T.Y. Hilton, that can, can give them a little bit of an, an advantage to maybe put, it, put this to a test to the Patriots again? Well, here's the thing. You know, and again, I was at the game last year where, yeah. where T.Y. Hilton caught some deep passes. And I could see him, um, you know, connecting with him again because T.Y. Hilton's a, a good wide receiver. I will tell you tell you a player that actually had a big impact um, the last time they played, and that was uh, Fleener. Fleener killed the Patriots, yeah. and 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 now you have Allen back as well. So, so we were talking about about um, a situation that could be difficult for the Patriots, could be these two tight ends 
being healthy. So, so again, that's an advantage that that if I'm Andrew Luck, I try I try to focus on the two tight ends more than T.Y. Hilton because I think the Patriots are going to take him away. So I would I would focus on the, on your two tight ends trying to get down the field. The question is, can he be patient? Can he be can he walk his team down the field, or is he going to try to go for the quick strike? If he does it, he's going to get himself into trouble. That's going to be the issue with him. Will he be baited into making mistakes? And that's what's happened pretty much every time he's played the Patriots. The Patriots bait him into making mistakes. So if he can play mistake-free football, you know, he'll keep his team in the game. But yeah. but that's going to be the situation for him, is, is taking what the defense gives him, reading what the defense is in, and, you know, and methodically going down the field. If he tries to beat them deep constantly, he is going to cause himself more problems than reward. It's just, you know, it, it's they want him to do that. They want him to, you know, th- you know, to, to go down the field. They, you know, again, you know, that's the situation there. It's really a chess game. And is Andrew Luck, you know, up for the challenge of playing chess against Belichick and Patricia? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, you know, in mo- it seems to be a lot of the games, even if he has a very good game, he comes away with two interceptions at some stage. He done it last week. That You know, they did cost the team six points, but I guess it was kind of, is it nearly as if he was uh, pumping the ball away when he was throwing it deep downfield and got picked off? But an interesting note just in the tight ends, obviously. I think this game could come down to the tight ends. You obviously have Gronkowski, uh, who has been exceptional since he came into the league his, his record of scoring touchdowns to games played is absolutely phenomenal everyone knows how good he is but Kobe Fleener's one that's come out really this season as a breakout year and Dwayne Allen obviously coming back from injury now but they're the right. first pair of Colts tight ends in the history of the franchise to, to score 8 touchdowns each in the season so that's 16 touchdowns between those two tight ends so that's a key area like Rob Gronkowski where especially in the red zone are going to be, have to be watched out for so it's going to be I think it has the potential to be a shootout it's going to be hard to figure out you know usually when we try and call a game of Bill Belichick it's the complete opposite of what you expect last week we were thinking it could be a cagey game against the against the Baltimore Ravens and it proved out to be anything but but last question up now is uh, Bill Be- or Tom Brady sorry against the Colts defense and how do you think that that match is going to go this Colts defense has really looked uh, quite good over the last uh, last number of games it has and and like I said I have to give them complete credit for what they did in uh, in Denver, I thought I I thought that I thought they they had a phenomenal game plan. Like I said, they took away all those short routes, and I just think that that's gonna. I have a feeling that that's what they're gonna try to do again here. Um, but but again, the the issue that they're gonna have is that is that the Patriots now can beat you many different ways offensively, and now and now you have Danny Amendola uh, finally healthy. I, I can also stay, say I think he's finally healthy. So with you, with him playing now a more pivotal role, along with Adelman, along with LaFell, and then of course, oh by the way, you have maybe the best tight end ever in in Rob Gronkowski, yeah. and then and and then I could throw Shane Vereen at you, I could throw Legarrette Blount at you. Um, Tom Brady has so many different ways to beat you right now. So so it'll be interesting to see how they try try to uh, take away you know what what they decide to take away, you know, and again it'll be up to Brady. If they, you know, it's like if you take away Plan A, well, we got Plan B and Plan C, and that, you know, again, it, it really is a chess match, and uh, that's why I think the Patriots have the advantage here because they have, they have those next moves, and uh, if the Colts want to win this game, they have, they have to play chess and they have to have that next move. And just you know, obviously, everyone talked throughout the season about the the struggles and that secondary, especially towards the end of the season, off the the Baltimore Ravens. And you know, uh, Vontaze Perfect has been playing superb since he came back from injury against uh, any opponent that he's really come up against. He was he was great last week against the Broncos as well. So I think he's going to be a key piece for. I think Tom Brady will try and avoid him as much as possible. But it's going to be a good game. And this is what's so good about this weekend of the season. Like last weekend, you know, anyone can win last weekend. But we all thought that the home teams had a, a kind of an advantage. People were calling for maybe the Cowboys to upset the Packers as one of the games could be an upset on the road. It came in that game with the Colts beating the uh, Denver Broncos. I'm sure you were expecting to be facing the Broncos this week. But, you know, this yep. game here, now you're, you're, we're in next game up to the Super Bowl if you win in this. So really this here is a, it's a toss-up almost. And, you know, you have the home field advantage. I think overall the the Patriots have the stronger 
uh, roster as a whole. But you know, the one thing would worry me about Andrew Luck is even if he does make mistakes, he definitely has a, a never say die attitude. And you know, we talked about uh, Flacco not being afraid last week. Well, one player who seems to never get afraid, no matter who he plays, is Andrew Luck. And uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a great game. I think I'm really looking forward to it. I'm less nervous about picking this game than picking the Packers game because I think the Seahawks <laughs> might snatch that one, but I'm hoping the Packers win. But I do think that uh, Tom Brady and the you know all the years of experience they have to draw and have been in this position, I think it, it it's, it's a big stage for Andrew Luck. As I mentioned, I don't think I'd be afraid, but I think overall the, the Patriots might have enough to, to edge this one. You're going to the game at the weekend, aren't you, Ross? I am going to the game. Uh, the, the gamble paid off uh, waiting and not going last week. Yeah. <laughs> It did. It did. It actually paid off, and we're we're looking forward to going to the game. And uh, and you know, obviously, you know, um, I listen. I do think the Patriots are going to win, and I think part of it is that that I just think that the Patriots match up so much better against the Colts than they did against the Ravens. Ra- the Ravens were a tough matchup. I think this is a team that that the Patriots tend to handle fairly well. You know, again, I, I have respect for Bacano. I certainly have. Respect for Andrew Luck. I just think it's going to be very hard on them to come in here um, and and win because again, I, I I just think that that this team is not it, it, it's not it's he still needs a few more pieces to go along with him. I'm talking about Andrew Luck yeah. on offense and defense. You know, again, I I truly believe in ten years time. You know, if, if we're if we're still talking doing yeah. doing this show again. Um, you and I are going to be talking about Andrew Luck having two or three ranks. I, I truly believe that. I just think that that this year it's it's maybe one or two years too soon. I think I think that team just needs a couple more pieces. Yeah, I have to agree with you. There. And I think I think there's some nice pieces definitely on the on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, people talked about the the acquisition of someone like Hakeem Nix last off season. And you know, he didn't do great throughout the season, but he's had a couple of big big plays, including a touchdown last week. So you know, you might see somebody either for the Patriots or for maybe the Broncos, Seahawks, or not the Broncos, the Colts, the Seahawks, or the Packers. Somebody who's not really thought of that much. We've seen it last week um, for for the Packers, and you know. A couple of Devonte Adams had a couple of big plays and things like that. There, sometimes you get these surprise pieces like Gray in that first game. Maybe he bounces back out of the cupboard again. <laughs> we see a few <laughs> plays from him, so it's it's going to be fascinating, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm sure when I talk to DJ after I record this, uh, he's going to probably pick a, a Patriots one. I'm sure as he as he always does. I don't think I think once maybe this year he might want against them, but I, I'm going for a Patriots one. Ross is going for a Patriots one, and just before we finish up, Ross Ross is always uh, do you want to plug um, your Twitter handle and of course Patriots fourth and two. Sure. Thank you very much for that. Um, my my Twitter handle is Russ underscore Goldman. You can also uh, follow the show Patriots Fourth and Two on Twitter at Patriots the number four th and the number two Patriots Fourth and Two. You can listen to Patriots Fourth and Two on BlogTalkRadio.com. You can also listen to it on the TuneIn app. Um, you know, uh, it's a great mobile app. I highly recommend it, and the show is available there. Along with basically the entire season, I think all the shows are just at your fingertips on the TuneIn app. So that's a great that's a great place to listen to uh, to Patriots Fourth and Two. It's also on the Stitcher radio app, which I believe Over- Overtime Island is on as well. So there are plenty of different ways that you can listen to Patriots Fourth and Two. And uh, listen, I appreciate you having me on the show two weeks in a row, my friend. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we might the Pro Bowl is on next week, so uh, if, if the Patriots uh, win, we might wait a week and then get you back on for the Super Bowl. It's uh, it's always a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, you mentioned there the Stitcher app. You mentioned iTunes. You mentioned uh, uh, obviously TuneIn Radio. Where some of our listeners might be listening to us on uh, one of those devices. So if you are, just go in and uh, click on that Patriots Fourth and Two, and it always helps uh, trying to promote other shows and getting a little bit uh, more listenership to some of our, some of our friends that come on the show. So thanks for us for coming on, and uh, hopefully you're going to enjoy the game this weekend. And uh, we'll chat to you soon. It's a pleasure coming on this show. Anytime I can come on, you know, I'll, you know, I'm happy to come on. And uh, best of luck to you and your Packers. Hi, I'm Delaney Walker, tight end for the Tennessee Titans, and you listen to Overtime Ireland. As always, thanks to Russ for coming on the show. A lot of fun talking with him, DJ. He had a lot of interesting thoughts there. Obviously, he was paying a huge amount of respect there to Chuck Pagano, who, who as a coach, I think is. Uh, very, very. I don't think he's underrated, but I think sometimes it gets uh, brushed under the radar as to how good of a job he is doing there. Him and Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator as well, working with Andrew Luck, and uh, I think that defense has stepped up the last few weeks. Has been better than it has been, 
you know, maybe at the start of the season. But we're looking at this game, DJ. I talked to Russ. He predicted a Patriots win. He's going to the game this weekend as well. And, you know, a lot of things up in the air. Obviously, there's some good players in that uh, Colts team. There's no doubt about that. The likes of Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, Kobe Fleener's come on a lot. And then Dwayne Allen's back from injury. So there's, there's a lot of good players in this team. And uh, looking around it... Uh, you know, the Patriots obviously bet them in that early game, or not the game earlier in the season. It wasn't an early season game. I bet them earlier in the season. How do you think this one's going to go? And is there anything on the Indianapolis Colts team that you are particularly worried about? Is there something that you think that, you know, the Patriots really need to, to shut down to, to have an opportunity to be successful here? Yeah, I'll call my daily. We might have somebody like Vince Wilfarker that happened to just flatten Andrew Luck in the first <laughs> couple of throws off the game. Get big Vince to just crush him to death, maybe. Is that the game plan? Yeah, Colm, I think the Patriots, D, D in particular, really need to step up and be at their best in this game. The Patriots had a good win over the Colts earlier in the season, but the Colts have improved significantly since then. I think home field advantage could be a big advantage in this game. And With the game the Patriots had against the Ravens last week, I don't think... The Colts are actually going to be as good as the Ravens, but it is still going to be a close game. So, going to go the Patriots win. Hopefully, Rob Gronkowski might get a touchdown or two. Julian Edelman, third-choice quarterback, might throw another one or two. And You never know, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo will come in as a running back or tight end. <laughs> yeah, maybe Bill will try some more tricks this week. But I don't think, uh, DJ, I can, I can safely say I don't think we'll see Julian Edelman throwing the ball this week. I think that one will be put back into the... Back into the the playbook for another year or two, probably. But uh, I think, the, the, as I mentioned with Russ, there's a distinct possibility. I think the Patriots have a big advantage here. But Andrew Luck is a player that you know I wouldn't relish playing against because he's a player, as I said, with Russ. Even when the game, even when they're behind, he, since he's coming into the league, I think he's led the league in uh, fourth quarter comebacks since he's come into the league. He's had a phenomenal record of getting late wins late on. Sometimes he puts the team in a position that they're behind by throwing interceptions, but he always. Uh, fights them on through at the end and uh, it's going to be a tough game just need to have forgot to ask Russ this but just you know there's been an issue with penalties for the Patriots during the season Branton Browner in particular to give away some key penalties but the team still obviously got to a fantastic winning record and you know they were able to win games again without them but in the playoffs they can be an issue Darrell Revis I, t- I talked to you about this off air he hadn't uh, a penalty all season and then he had it was a two or three last week against the Baltimore Ravens so that there could be an issue, maybe a key penalty by Branton Browner, who likes to be a little bit more physical than maybe uh, the referees and officials will allow at times. And uh, Do you think that could be... Is that a worry for you that somebody like that... I know the Packers had a few penalties last week going against them, Brad Jones in particular, and you know he's a kind of player a bit like Branton Browner who does do the kind of the silly head-scratching thing from time to time. Is that something that maybe going into this game you'd be a little bit worried about, maybe? Yeah, come I think Bill Belichick probably will be keeping... Brandon Browner in line this week and <laughs> ensuring that he doesn't give away any silly penalties and hopefully the officials will make the right calls and not just take spike to Darrell Rivas again for a second week in a row and give away penalties. Oh, well, I think now the one the one last week, the one on Steve Smith in particular, when he tried to swap jerseys them <laughs> at the line of scrimmage, I think was probably the right call. But I know what you mean. Sometimes they're a little bit softer than others, but Browner has a bit of a reputation. And even I remember back to that San Diego game, we had a long discussion on the podcast. He had that, uh, it was given us head-to-head hit, um, on a defenseless receiver. But, you know, I, I thought that was a harsh call that it went for a pick six, but was called back. I think uh, overall, DJ, as I mentioned, I think the Patriots come out in top here. I'm really looking forward to watching this one. I think uh, you'll be looking forward to watching the Seahawks-Packer game, and uh, you know I'll be trying to sit back and enjoy that. Hopefully, or I'll not be able to enjoy that. Rather, I'll be under a bit of pressure watching that one, and then of course I'll hopefully be sitting back after a successful Packers victory and uh, watching on to the the game with the New England Patriots, but with a bit more of a, a relaxation in my heartbeat, hopefully. But as we as we talk about the games, we're going in here now, we're going to talk to Dana O'Garman from NFL Female, and me and her talked about the Green Bay Packers heading up there to CenturyLink to take on the Seattle Seahawks, and you know which is definitely going to be one of the, the biggest tests the Packers have had in a number of years. Their first time back in that NFC Championship game for four years, and the last time four years ago, they just went on and won the Super Bowl. So let's see what happens this week. We're going to go in now and talk with Dana O'Garman. Let's get that started. Hey, this is Scott Fujita, former NFL linebacker and Super Bowl champion, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. 
back on the Overtime Ireland podcast again. It's been quite some time. It was around this time last year, actually, that we had her on. She's one of the you know the reporters there for the, the fantastic NFL female group. Uh, a lot of our followers, I know, also check them out on Twitter. It's at NFL female. But joining us now is Dana O'Garman. And we talked last year uh, in one of the playoff games prior to the, the Super Bowl run you just went on. I think we actually talked the week before the Super Bowl too. But a huge, huge Seattle Seahawks fan. So, Dana, it's going to be interesting as a Packers fan uh, previewing this game with you. <laughs> it'll be fun we just have to look at it that way it's gonna be fun yeah we'll try and uh well obviously we don't have to last week it was two packers fans breaking down the the cowboys game and we're trying to keep it as neutral as we could so this week <laughs> uh, we don't really have to stay neutral we have uh, a view from both sides but you know obviously the the packers bet the cowboys the seahawks won against the panthers both teams won those at home and obviously now the packers have to head up to CenturyLink field to take on not just the seattle seahawks but also that uh the famous 12th man Obviously, the the Seahawks are favoured going into this one and uh, placing the Super Bowl at stake. There's a, there's a couple a couple of key issues obviously going into this game, but I'm just going to ask you first uh, from a Seahawks point of view and the season how it's gone so far from those first few weeks of the season up until this point. How impressed have you been with the team? I was uh, I know the listeners of the podcast know this. I've mentioned it a few times. I was in San Diego for week two of the season when the Seahawks lost to the Chargers and you know there was a lot of question marks around the team that week even though they had bet the the Packers the week before how how, how much of a growth have you seen in this team since say week even week one week two week three I you know I think it's been growth but mostly kind of a development of what they have what happens to so many Super Bowl winning teams is basically they get picked apart in free agency which we all know happens and you know it didn't happen as badly to the Seahawks as it did say the Ravens after they won I mean that team was torn apart but you know it really seemed to be um, you know there was major major changes and so I didn't know how they were going to settle in some of those newer players Um, we just didn't know them. So after the week two loss to San Diego, which was the most bizarre game I have ever seen this particular Seahawks team play, they they literally looked like they forgot to get off the plane in that game. It was so weird to me. But there was definitely some questions of, oh my gosh, should we not have gotten rid of Chris Clemens should, you know, and, and Red Bryant? And are we really going to miss Golden Tate? And all those kind of questions came in. Then you get further into the season, we hit three and three. And that was the least of my worries at that point was our record. And that was just simply because of the drama that happened with Percy Harvin and getting rid of him. Um, there was injuries galore. And I thought we were so lucky last year with our injuries. I mean, I don't even know. We, we just were so, so lucky last year with injuries. I thought this is it. This is our year for injuries to be the biggest factor. And then we turn around and they get rid of the drama in, in the locker room with Percy Harvin and, and they get, you know, start to get some people back. And you could see this team start to take form again. They settled back into their positions. And that's really when they play their best is when they play as a complete team instead of anyone trying to stand out, which I think was the issue with Percy Harvin. So I was nervous and, and yet, at the same time, not surprised because of that so-called Super Bowl curse. I really, really didn't thought that maybe it had gotten us this year. Um, and then, boom, out of the gate, they just started running. And they won 9 out of 10 games. It was amazing. They, if, certainly, as the season went on, they definitely progressed. And, you know, they got a number of key players back. There was a lot of, you know, real, real key parts of that defense injured at the mm-hmm. start of the season. So you had them there, issues. Then obviously you mentioned Percy Harvin. I'm just going to go back to that week one game. The Packers obviously opened the season up there. Super Bowl champions in the house on Thursday night football. And, uh, you know, they, they well and thoroughly dominated the Packers. But in that game, there was a number of key plays, particularly I remember a few of them on third down. And a lot of those plays went to Percy Harvin. Well, Percy Harvin's not in the lineup now. But, you know, there's a number of wide receivers there that maybe throughout the throughout the game aren't as well talked about but they're starting to step up and make big plays players like Jermaine Kors and so on and I'm just looking around even Luke Wilson in the game last week had a nice touchdown and out of, out of those players just going through a few I know some of the maybe the UK listeners aren't picking up as much on the they're not the biggest name wide receivers in the world but out of those how, how impressed have you been with a few of those as well? You know, I've I've been really impressed, and I've been impressed with the way that the offense has kind of um, 
changed its form a little bit. When you have Marshawn Lynch, you know, one of the best running backs in the league on your team, you're always going to be a run first team. That, that's just the logic. And, and who would argue with that? You know, that's, you know, that's the way it works. And so our wide receiver group has never been one that has had a ton of focus on it. And then you started to see that change, but it was more in specialty plays. Obviously, we still want Marshawn Lynch to get his 20 touches. We want him to get, you know, get his yardage. But at the same time, they were starting to run some very smart plays. Once again, this change after Percy Harvin left. I think that they were trying so hard to bring the talent that Percy Harvin has, and, and he's a talented player. They were trying to almost force that into the system that wasn't made for him. And so then what comes out, you start to see the development of the tight ends. When Zach Miller, our number one tight end, went down, I thought, well, basically, it's just going to be eliminated. That position is just <laughs> not going to have an effect in any way. Not that Zach is such a fantastic player. He's a fantastic um, blocking tight end. And so I thought, oh, they'll just go ahead and, and kind of phase that out. But they really started to play to the strengths. Jermaine Curse's strength is the long ball. He is fantastic at spotting that ball and catching it. Doug Baldwin goes across the middle, and he's the tiptoe catcher on the sideline. He, I swear to God, he's a ballerina in another life. He gets on his tiptoes on the end, and he can catch that ball. And then the tight ends are kind of more the short guys, the short cross guys. But it was just, they use them so specifically that it, it works really well. Will they ever have giant numbers no was it best that golden tate left yes because he can get the numbers that he always wanted on that team for the lions but the way we use our wide receivers they have all grown so well um i have to admit though i've been most impressed with the tight end group i i'm so thrilled i was thrilled when they picked up tony moyaki because i think that he's kind of a bruiser and i like that about him but you know really you know luke wilson and cooper helfett have really stepped up too i've been really impressed I was impressed, especially last week with Wilson again, and I think he's had a a number of good games recently. But, you know, when you mentioned there, I mentioned that they're not the biggest names in the league. Well, this here is the first year that Jordy Nelson of the Packers has made it to the the Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the players like him, Randall Cobb, and, you you know, now Devontae Adams coming through as a rookie, you get players like that there who sometimes aren't in the big markets and don't get the recognition that they deserve. Obviously, the face of the franchise up there now is going to be Russell Wilson. You have Richard Sherman. You have Marshawn Lynch. So these players obviously take the forefront, and then maybe there's not as much talk about some of these wide receivers but you know with time they're definitely going to develop and if they get hopefully they don't get another one this week but if they do get another one this week and go to the Super Bowl (laughs) again you know you have to start uh, shining the spotlight on these if they get to that Super Bowl and a major part of that's going to be Russell Wilson and you know he's he's looking like he's going to be becoming the most expensive quarterback in the National Football League and yes I've got serious value for money on him over the last few years but just in that Panthers game last week a number of key plays particularly on third down I've never seen a quarterback on third down have as much success with either long balls for touchdowns or you know picking up huge chunks of yards on third down so Mm -hmm. very very impressed with his performance last week but I'm just going to start talking now about this week's game in particular we have the quarterbacks obviously Russell Wilson who is a phenomenal at improvising, a bit like Aaron Rodgers, but maybe Aaron Rodgers' improvisation won't be as uh, much on show this week. With obviously, right. I'm sure you've heard this. I'm sure you've heard Dana, but Aaron <laughs> Rodgers has a bit of a calf injury the last few weeks. I don't know. He might be a little a little limping. Yeah, 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 I did hear. And you know, honest to God, I'm really excited. I was excited in Week One to see these two quarterbacks kind of you know go at it. The first, when they played a couple of years ago, it was Russell Wilson's first year. He was so still developing, and you know, we had you know we saw a good game out of him, yeah. but he wasn't the Russell Wilson controversial here, victory he there for the Seahawks. Right, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, the thing of it, which I have to say thank god for dallas because it took some of the you know shine off of the seahawks for controversial phase but you know i have to say that you know the thing with those two quarterbacks is they really are their teams they are the heart and soul of the teams and when you know aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the nfl i don't care what anyone wants to say about tom brady up there we don't care about that but you know we you know he really is and but that whole offense is just it's so it's so good I can't wait for this game, for the number one defense to go against this fantastic offense. Those are games that are good, you know, and I'm excited for that. It's going to be a fantastic game. Just the, you know, with him not being able to improvise as much, maybe it might help the Packers. They might just have to pick a game plan, stick to it and see how it goes. We've seen in the the first half last week against the the Cowboys, you know, he wasn't able to move and there was a number of issues. The the time he got sacked and he caused the fumble, that there's definitely, if he was, you know, having no pain, he just spins out of the pocket there, a bit like what we see Russell Wilson doing from time to time. Maybe runs for a first down or, you know, somebody gets open, somebody's free, throws the ball downfield. But, you know, then in that 
particularly the second half of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter he was exceptional and you know I was watching back the highlights a number of times and some of the throws he was making you know most quarterbacks if they have you know at full health can't make those throws and you know he's just making them time and time again mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see though you know everyone knows about the legion of boom and that their defense the secondary and look how cam chancellor and co are playing as well now in the middle so it's going to be tough for the packers but you know i'm just going to ask you as a seahawks fan what do you think would be the key for the the Packers going and 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 picking up a one and century length this weekend? Right. You know, honestly, the the biggest threat that I think that that they have it, and this is, and this is nothing against Aaron Rodgers, but you know, he can, he can throw all day long. He it's going to be harder for him to throw down the field like he normally does so beautifully with with the Legion of Boom, with the pressure that he'll be getting because, you know, of his leg and that sort of thing. I think the real, real thing that, that the Seahawks need to focus on, of course, is Eddie Lacy. I like to watch Eddie Lacy play because he reminds me so much of Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, like Between Marshawn the Lynch two, Jr. Yeah, that is amazing to watch them play. And so what is going to be funny about that is our defense practices against Marshawn Lynch, and so does your defense. So, so they almost negate each other a little bit, you know, but yeah. I think that, that they're that I think that containing Eddie Lacy, containing that run game, I would assume if Mike McCarthy and we know how smart he is, but I would assume that his game plan would be to not you know, to let Aaron Rodgers hand that ball off more often because of his leg. That would just make sense to me. Um, but at the same time, you never know. So I think that just containing Eddie Lacy, making sure that they keep him, you know, down in yardage as much as they can will, will be really important for the Seahawks to do. And if they don't do that, that there could be some trouble for us. Yeah, well, obviously in the first game, they didn't target Richard Sherman at all. I think that there is something that definitely is going to be locked out. I don't think they'll stay away from him the whole game this time. And uh, it'll be interesting to see that matchup. Obviously, you've Cobb then in the slot, but you mentioned there Eddie Lacy. I'm, I'm a bit worried about how the Packers run game will set up against that C- Seahawks run defense, which has been good this year. And, you know... I think if they can't get Lacey going early on, that's going to be a big issue for them. You know, a lot of people are even talking in the media this week about, you know, should they even try and run the ball at all? And I don't think people are giving Lacey enough credit as a running back. What do you think? You know, obviously the team that won this year was the Dallas Cowboys. The Packers bet the Cowboys at the weekend. I I think they could have some semblance of a run game, but again, it's all going to come down to to Aaron Rodgers. But do you think Eddie Lacey could have success against the the Seattle run defense? Well, you know... I. I, I don't see why not. You know, that when we played Dallas beforehand um, earlier in the season, the one game we lost up in CenturyLink, um, it's because they weren't prepared for um, for DeMarco Murray. Although I don't think the NFL itself was prepare, prepared for how fantastic Murray was this yeah. year. But um, but I think that that was a lot of it, too. I, I think that if you try – and this is um, – I hate to always I hate to ever sound like a bragging fan because I know every team has their issues but I think if Aaron if they took the run game completely out if Green Bay did and they just threw against the Legion of Boom that that is that is not it might work sometimes, but a lot of times it's not going to work. I think that that would greatly hinder the game plan. I don't, I don't think that that would be smart in any way, shape, or form. Um, I, th- I think Eddie Lacy could do okay against the run defense. Um, we've had, you know, with Brandon Meebane out, we have, you know, a few other defensive players out. You know, it is possible, but we just have those those fantastic linebackers and and so it, it is going to be harder it is going to be hard for them for him to, for Eddie Lacy to get in a regular rhythm I think that would be difficult for him but I think it would be just not smart to take him out completely I, I don't see how that helps him at all yeah and it's go- it is going to be very very interesting uh, you know obviously you have to try and get the run game going and then you know they put more men up so you get more single coverage at the back end but you know what the way what the way the Seahawks uh, secondary plays maybe that isn't that much of an advantage either they right. played obviously at the weekend and Randall Cobb was in the backfield for the majority of the second half so that maybe they try something like that to see if they can get a mismatch sure. on a linebacker but the, the quickness of the linebackers for the Seahawks also that might, I'm just trying to go through some of the scenarios that might and might mm-hmm. work but something that you're going to be hoping works for, you, for your side and that's uh, Marshawn Lynch against mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers run defense you know you mentioned there uh, um, Murray and how, how successful he was when he mm-hmm. played up in Seattle the Packers kind of bottled him up quite well I thought uh, in the game right. there was one the one when he caught, the fumble was caused I think if Peppers doesn't knock that ball out I think you know he's picking up at least 60 yards there if not a touchdown so they, they had good preparation there the run defense has got a lot better towards the end of the season um, how, how important is Marshawn Lynch to you in this game? Well, you know, if you would have asked me that a week ago, I would have told you that he was, you know, paramount to winning, that we we have to have him, you know, 
getting at minimum 100 yards to win here. And then last week came along. I was very nervous about the run game against the Panthers. I mean, you can no one can argue the talent of Luke Keekley. I mean, you just can't. And and they had made it pretty clear Luke Keekley's job was to watch Marshawn Lynch 24, you know, the whole entire time. You know, that was his job. And so I think that, you know, if you had asked me that, like I said, a week ago, I would be very nervous. But then I was pretty impressed with the way we managed to actually get the ball downfield, um, you know, without it. Once again, our passing game is not our strength, but they managed to work it in really well with the run to keep the defense slightly off kilter. And then, of course, you have to keep in mind if Marshawn Lynch, you know, might look like he's running, but then you have you have to have someone spy Russell Wilson all the time or he'll take off on you. So I think that if Marshawn Lynch and I, I know there's a stat to this and I, I've forgotten it off the top of my head, but if Marshawn Lynch gets 20 touches and a hundred yards, I think the win loss for the Seahawks is like two losses and right. you know, however many wins are the last few years. And so I think they will still try and get Marshawn Lynch to run, 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 and they will still try that. Um, but if it's not working, I, I feel much more confident this week than I did last week about them having to pass the ball. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, you get to that stage of the season, it's going to be tough for any team, but just the Packers are going on the road, and this would be a lot more confident if they were coming to play in Lambeau Field. And <laughs> even, but even if they were the Seahawks, you know, they're still going to be a very tough team to beat. So you have to beat the best to get there. I actually think mm-hmm. whoever wins this game is, in my opinion, going to win the Super Bowl again. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a key match, obviously, for both sides trying to get there. Out of all the things we've talked about, you know, it's, I, I'm guessing that you're going to pick for a Seahawks win here. I, I'm going to go for a Packers one, but mm-hmm. I think there's uh, some of the, the issues that, you know, the 12th man's often talked about. The Packers got the ball or stopped the, the Cowboys in Lambeau last week, went down, got a touchdown. The Cowboys did respond and, you know, quietened down the Lambeau crowd again. But if the Packers could uh, get an early couple of scores in this game, an issue that you have had in recent weeks is putting up big amounts of points on the board. And even against the Panthers up onto that Cam Chancellor pick mm-hmm. six, the game was always up in the air because the, the Panthers are driving there. They're in the red zone. If mm-hmm. they pick up a touchdown maybe things end up a little bit different. So that was a major, major play. Do you think there's a, a possibility the Packers go in and you know can put up points early and say you say the score goes a, a two-score lead to the Packers? Do you think that puts extra pressure? I know Russell Wilson doesn't get flustered too often, but just right. the way you like to run the ball and so on, do you think that could be a big negative? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, no one wants to be down two two scores, and um, you know, so and and do I do I give enough Green Bay enough credit to be able to do that? Absolutely. I think when you get to these championship games, even even just past the wild card games, and it's nothing against the the teams that play in the wild cards, but you know, once you get past those wild card games, it is always you know a possibility for one team to beat the other. These teams are good. They got here for a reason. They have their talents. Um, And so, yeah, I think that, you know, I think if the Packers managed to get up a couple of scores, it would depend on when. Because they're the the biggest philosophy that Pete Carroll preaches, that the team preaches to each other, and they preach to the twelfth man, and the twelfth man has completely embraced is you do not win a game until the fourth quarter, yeah. and that's a mantra that just is passed around the twelfth man and and the team constantly, and so you won't see the Seahawks fans starting to panic too much until it starts to get in the fourth quarter. Now, if you're up two touchdowns in the fourth <laughs> quarter, that'll be a different conversation. But you know, you you just really. They, they really kind of live and breathe that. So I think the crowd will definitely be a factor. Nice thing for Aaron Rodgers is that, you know, he's played in that environment. He knows what that's like. Um, will it be worse than when he came to town before? Yeah, it's going to be a little louder than yeah. even before. But at the same time, it's not something that, you know, he's, he's you know, not experienced before. And you guys, there's quite a crowd, you know, crowd noise um, element in Lambo too. So... So, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, is it possible? That would be stupid for me to say no. Of course, it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, However... I do think it'll be interesting, and I want to ask you about this if I can ask you a quick question. Yeah. How interesting would the narrative be if, God forbid, because I hate injuries, I hate them, but if Aaron Rodgers couldn't play and Matt Flynn had to play in CenturyLink? Uh, game's over. <laughs> but it would be quite interesting knowing that Russell Wilson is the one that ousted him yeah. in Seattle. We've been talking about that narrative just a little bit. We thought that was it's, kind of it's amazing how he went to the Seahawks, then Wilson took his job, then he went to the Raiders, then he lost his job with the Raiders, <laughs> and now he's back with the Packers. And 
you know, even even when he was coming in in some relief duty this season, you know, maybe it's just something he's comfortable in the Packers system or something. But you know, it, it should have worked for him at least in Oakland. It should have worked. So it's interesting that it, it didn't work for him anywhere. But he sure made a huge uh, huge amount of money off one per, <laughs> yes, one performance uh, against he the Lions a few smart. years back. So yep. now, overall, I do think there's a chance the Packers go in here. The, obviously, the Rogers injury is a major worry, but. Just uh, obviously, when there's so many points being scored on defense for for the Seahawks, and Rodgers rarely turns the ball over, but on the road he does it a little bit more. But it's it's going to be a fascinating game when you get to this stage of the season. Anything's possible, but it's also possible the Seahawks absolutely blow them out in this one. But we'll see what happens. Obviously, I'm going for a, I'll go for a maybe a Packers win by a field goal. What's what's your prediction for this one? You know, I think it's going to be a close game, too. I do think it's going to be low scoring. I, I just do. I, I think with, with Roger's injury and, you know, and then he's playing against our defense, yeah. it'll be hard for him to put up the 30, 40 points that he, that you guys are used to seeing from him. And the Seahawks, the interesting thing is they know they don't have to have that many points. And so I think that that sometimes sits in the back of their mind, um, you know. But I, I do think, I think that this game, I hate predicting scores because mm. it just depends on special teams plays and Turnovers defensive numbers. plays, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I do think it'll probably be at the very, very top end, a 10-point game, probably closer to 3-7, to seven. so a field goal or a touchdown. Yeah. At maybe 10, if someone gets a lucky field goal toward the end, but I think it'll be a lot closer than that. Yeah, just, it's one of those games I do think it'll be close, but it's, with any of these games, there's the potential, too, that if you went a couple of scores down, it could snowball. You know, yep. You're two scores down in the fourth quarter, you're trying to get a touchdown, you get yourself back in, did you throw an interception, that sort of thing. So right. it's going to be a fant- uh, fascinating game. I think it'll be a fantastic game, and it's one I really can't can't wait for the the nerves are definitely jingling already and uh, just talking about it i'm very excited about it so one of our teams uh, then will be going to the super bowl i'm sure if it's the seahawks i'll get you back on to talk to it about it again but sure. uh, ho- hopefully it's hopefully it's the packers and <laughs> <laughs> i understand it's your show absolutely i get it but you know what i think that either team you know whoever makes it to the super bowl and obviously i want it to be the seahawks um i'm i consider the seahawks season a success as of now my yeah, goal for them was to get some- back Somewhere with the Packers, yeah. Yeah, you know, well, and my goal was to get for this team was to get back and win a a, a playoff game because no Super Bowl winning team had done that in ten years. Yeah, so that fun. already is a win for me that they made it back to the top again. Um, and so you know, I'll be sad and heartbroken if they don't make it to the Super Bowl, but I'll still think this is a success. At the same time, you look at these two teams and both of these teams going either one of them getting to the Super Bowl, they earned it and they deserve to be there. It's not like some weird thing happened. Both these teams fought and, and deserve to be there at the end no um, obviously as well you're part of the the crew over there at nfl female and uh, we're we're always interacting on twitter and so on so just before we finish up i'm sure we have a a number of female listeners out there that might be interested haven't heard of you before and uh, just give a little plug to the nfl female and uh, the sisterhood over there Sure. NFLfemale.com is a website that we have 32 female reporters, one for each team. Some teams have a couple of reporters. Um, and we write um, about our teams. We give team updates, recaps of the games, that sort of thing. And all of us are on Twitter. We also have a weekly podcast that I host every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, where we talk about you know, all the news and information. We break down games that are coming up. This week should be real interesting because we have the four official fan reporters from each of the four remaining teams coming on. I have everyone staggered because we do our, we are a little passionate sometimes. <laughs> and so it'll be good. We'll get to hear from everyone and see where they, they sit and how they feel about making it to the um, conference championships. So it should be fun. It should be fun. Uh, anyone who wants to check that out, obviously the, the Twitter as well is at NFLfemale. Thanks, uh, Dana, as always, for coming on and uh, look forward to having you back again in the future. Oh, thank you. I, I hope I get to come back. And good luck to your team with no injuries. <laughs> I won't pick the win, but for no injuries. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Island Podcast. Thanks to Dana for coming back on the show. It's uh, fun having her on. We didn't have her on. I think it was the week before the Super Bowl, maybe last year was the last time we had her on. Always fun. Do check out at NFL Female. Great stuff going on there. All the all the women involved. Uh, a lot of fun to discuss things with them on Twitter and uh, very knowledgeable about the game. So check that out. Also, DJ, uh, now it's time to get your opinion on that game and uh, Packers v Seahawks. Which way do you see this one going? I think most people, you know, I'm, I'm a Packers fan. I'm hoping a Packers win. I mentioned that with her. But, you know, if... Uh, I've always really put up against it. It's going to be a really, really, really tough game for them. And uh, the Seahawks, probably the team that you're going to take care of, would be right in that one. 
I'll come. It's really going to come down to the fitness of Aaron Rodgers. I think if he is back to close to fully fit this week, the Packers have a chance. If he's still struggling with that leg injury, I think the Packers, it's going to be one of those games that you'll be hoping it doesn't end up in a cricket score. And it's also going to come down to how well the Seahawks D can protect Russell Wilson and whether they can pick off Aaron Rodgers a few times like they did with Cam Newton last week. Yeah, you mentioned there the, the Seahawks uh, offensive line. Um, you know, it's been an issue for the Packers. Uh, the game I talked with uh, Dana, they didn't uh, weren't able to really get any pressure on Wilson at all in that first game. They didn't sack him at all in that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting if they can get pressure to Russell, but he, he's been phenomenal last week in particular on the third down plays. Absolutely superb, and I was, I'm always impressed with him. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his play. It's, it's, it's really easy. Both sides of the ball are going to have to play magnificently to get a result up here. But as you would expect, when you get to this stage of the season, you're going to have to pull out all the stops to win a game. And I think the key here, DJ, I think if the Packers don't turn the ball over, they will have a good chance of winning this game. You know, a lot of the time that the the Seahawks, you know, the Legion of Boom, there they'll get an interception or two that'll lead them uh, to get some. Like they're very good at turning those picks into scores, and it happens so often. The game last week down in the red zone, Cam Newton throws the pick to Cam Chancellor he takes it back to the house that's a 14 point swing when you take away the possibility of a touchdown for the Panthers and the touchdown picked up by the Seahawks straight away so big momentum swings like that that gets a 12 man riled up gets the crowd loud and I heard some of the people that were at the game last week saying that they don't think they've ever heard the the century link field uh, as loud as that after that pick six by Cam Chancellor so you know the, the key to it is trying to get the ball down trying to silence the crowd easier said than done up there in Seattle but if you can run the ball a little bit with Eddie Lacy I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the game plan is going to be I think they'll try and run Lacy a little bit and I think he's not getting maybe enough you know respect in the media this last maybe three or four days uh, talking about the game looking at uh, his run instead I think he's very similar to what Marshawn Lynch likes to do so I'm looking forward to seeing that I think they'll go at Sherman they didn't throw to him at all the last time I think they'll look to use Cobb quite a bit and we'll see what Devontae Adams can do <laughs> he was very quiet since that Patriots game did until last week so we'll see what the game plan holds for him but it's going to be it's going to be interesting Rodgers as we know doesn't turn the ball over at home all that much he you know no interceptions he had that one fumble last week uh, after the sack but it's it's going to be really really tough, but there is a formula there that I, I think the Packers can get a result here. So, as always, DJ, I'm gonna I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers win. This one is uh, it's really for all the marbles. I do think whoever wins this NFC Championship game is likely to win the Super Bowl. So, hopefully, uh, they they can get the job done this weekend. But it's, it's going to be extremely tough. So, DJ, them two games are luck true now. Uh, a couple of bits of coaching news and so other so on and so forth uh, that you want to bring us up to date on. Yeah, come with San Francisco 49ers have promoted defensive line coach Jim Tom Sula to their head coach position. They've promoted him over hiring Broncos offensive coordinator Adam Gaze. And it's pure speculation on my part, but I would predict that perhaps Adam Gaze is going to be offered the Broncos head coaching role, and that's why the 49ers have went and promoted from within. Yeah, well, I guess, DJ, when we're talking about it, I, th- I can't remember if the news came out just after we found Oh, it did actually come out during the show, I think, the last thing we were recording about uh, John Fox, and we talked about the Broncos actually on that show. John Fox, obviously, now no longer with him. You mentioned Adam Gaze. I do think, listening to the press conference with John Elway, I think that he's probably going to go out to the organisation. I'll be very surprised if Adam Gaze doesn't pick up a coordinator's job or a head co- uh, He'll definitely get a coordinator's job somewhere else, but a head coaching job somewhere else. It is, it's an interesting one, DJ. You know, Colin Kaepernick, I think, needs needs somebody to work with him, and I don't think a former defensive line coach and Jim Tomsula is the man to do it. Maybe they're taking somebody at offensive coordinator that will be able to work with him, but I thought somebody like Adam Gaze, who's stuck, you know, is very, very high working with Peyton Manning, but maybe that's something that goes against him too. Maybe people think that you know he's working with Peyton Manning, maybe Peyton's really the offensive coordinator, so that's maybe something went against him. I, I thought they would have went for somebody out to the organization. Maybe they're, you know, there's a lot of speculation on Twitter that they're looking for a yes man, so maybe that's maybe that's what happened, but. The 49ers, it's going to be an interesting season for them because they have a very talented roster there. I think just a little bit of work with Kaepernick and we'll see how they do going forward. But Jim Tomsula, the new head coach there. These are the Oakland Raiders have hired Jack Del Rio. He is their new head coach, the former Broncos defensive coordinator. So we mentioned there John Fox out of Denver. Now we have the the other coaches were given freedom like Adam Gaze to go and look for another another role and Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, is now the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Signed a four-year deal with them and... Uh, he is a native of California, so heading back home. He was the head coach of the Jaguars back in 2011, so getting another opportunity as a head coach. 
couple other ones, DJ, and uh, your old buddy Rex Ryan. We mentioned this one. He's back. He's in Buffalo, and uh, he had quite a quite an interesting press conference there last day. But uh, we'll not we'll not get too much into that. But 49ers offensive coordinator DJ Greg Roman uh, is up now with the Buffalo Bills. He went there for the exact same position, so it's going to be interesting to see. You know, obviously EJ Manuel is there. It'll be interesting to see what they do at the quarterback position. Whether they try and get a, a free agent, maybe the likes of Brian Hoyer or that, or someone like that, and take them up there. And uh, we talked DJ about. Jim Schwartz, I thought the two of them might get on with each other, might be okay, but uh, looks like Jim Schwartz is not part of Rex Ryan's plans in Buffalo and uh, will be looking for a role elsewhere. New York Jets, DJ, your your great, your great uh, favourite franchise in the NFL have hired Todd Bowles to be their head coach, he was uh, the defensive coordinator with the Arizona Cardinals, he was a man who was in high demand, you know, that defence has been superb all year, might have dropped off a little bit towards the end of the season, but has done a great job up there with Bruce Arian, so good head coaching hire, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how it all develops, there's a number of other people linked, you know, coming in as coordinators and that for them, but big changes, DJ, in that, in that AFC East, and uh, you have the likes of the Buffalo Bills, new head coach, New York Jets, and new head coach, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there, obviously one of the, some of the ones, DJ, that hasn't, uh, moved on and that's Jason Garrett obviously the Cowboys lost to the Packers last week well he signed a, a mega mega box deal with the Dallas Cowboys to keep him around you know they had a few years there of 8-8 eight and, eight and maybe this time last season he was very much on the hot seat but done a fantastic job this year so he signed a big big deal with the Dallas Cowboys he'll be about for the next few years you know Des Bryant looks like he's going nowhere he's going to be at least franchise tagged if he doesn't sign a new contract prior to his possibility of uh, being a free agent and DeMarco Murray is an interesting one that uh, I think I think there's a good chance that he is actually going to hit free agency you know the, the contract he was offered 16 million over four years I, I think a player who's put in the season that he has has uh, should be getting more than that and he'd probably definitely get more than that in the free agent market whether it be for two years three years or four years so uh, I think he might chance free agency and then that all puts up the thing in the air again DJ Adrian Peterson possibly playing for the Cowboys so we'll see what happens there Pittsburgh Steelers DJ announced that they have uh, moved up Keith Butler to the position of defensive coordinator. You know, Dick LeBeau left. Uh, he's up in Arizona now. So big, big uh, change there. I think he was the guy, you know, they were waiting and waiting. He was waiting for years to try and get this position. So I think you move on. Dick LeBeau, who said he was resigning and moved on now to the Cardinals, and now he, he's promoted to a you know a, a higher position. He's he's going to be in control of that defense. Lots of other rumours DJ going around, but at, at this time, none of them, uh, you know, none of them fully linked up. But it's going to be interesting. You mentioned that earlier, DJ, the Denver Broncos and who's going to be the, the new head coach there. I, I'm I'm going to put Gary Kubiak's name in the in the list. You know, he was with the Texans last year. He had a good season this year as the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. So, possibility there. He he is friends with John Elway. It's going to be, it's going to be a very, very interesting one. Atlanta Falcons head coaching job still obviously opened and a, a couple other positions open as well. So, lots and lots of stuff to keep track with. I'm sure we'll recap some of that more news on the, uh, the recap show. But we have the games talked about. I'm sure we've given quite a bit of hopefully good information about the games coming up and uh, some of the coaching news to the listeners as always uh, we're going to be on twitter throughout the games this weekend uh, maybe it'll be a little, maybe we'll put dj on uh, tweet duty during the packers game and me on tweet duty during the patriots game i don't know what way we'll do it but uh, any anyone wanting to get in touch at overtime ireland is the twitter handle OvertimeIreland.com is always is the website and overtime at gmail.com rather is how to get in touch with us via email so as always, thanks for listening. Keep spreading the word of the, the show. Do subscribe. Do hit the download button on multiple devices. And uh, if you want, if you have time, leave us a rating or a comment on whatever uh, format you do listen to the show. So thanks, as always, for listening. We'll be back at the start of next week with another show. And until then, I'm Colin. And I'm DJ. So until then, enjoy the game. And go Pack Go. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.